Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comics Dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Chris Casso. Hello. Cole Hornaday. Hi. And, of course, Nicole Lamb. Well, hey. So, <laughs> quite a number of years ago, we've been on, we've been doing the show so long that we can say quite a number of years ago on this very show... We talked about our comic book pet peeves. Well, let's quiz, uh, br- uh, quickly revisit that, friends. <laughs> and um, let's quiz ourselves about let's that. Quiz ourselves. <laughs> so, yes. what are what are your new comic pet peeves? And I'm just gonna I'm gonna start off because uh, as I mentioned last week, I recently went through and and uh, um, wrote down all the book reports that we did. So mm-hmm. there's you know there's links to the books that we reviewed, pictures mm-hmm. of the cover art. And sometimes uh, when we were filming, it was convenient because I could like go to the video and like make sure I got the right book because I can see what you're holding. Right. But other times, if you're like, oh, I got Fantastic Four number one, I you Google that <laughs> and there's like ten of them. Which one? And it's which one? And so it had to be like, okay, so it's the one that you know Garth Ennis wrote. I'm making these names up. Yeah. Oh you my know God. What I mean. We know. Oh, we know, Ben. But what happens that's bad about that too is you're like, okay, it's the one. It's the Spider-Man number one that Dan Slott did. Wait, they relaunched Spider-Man five times with Dan Slott. Yeah. Right. So there was. <laughs> There were many, many times where I listened to a book report, like multiple times, just to be like, which one are you reviewing? <laughs> it was You know, you could ping us maybe and we might actually be like, Oh yeah, it was this I, one, right? I here. probably could have, yeah. but you know, but at that point it's like but three it would diminish his power. <laughs> there was one, I'm not gonna say who it is, but there was one who didn't mention the title of the book at all oh. until like the very oh, last come on, you can't leave secrets. <laughs> no, I don't wanna make Cole feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Which one was it? I don't know. I'd have to go oh. look it up. But I, oh, wow. I think you'd. Uh, yeah, it was, I just started on one of my rambles and my rants. And you I know what? what the book now, was. now that I'm complaining about it, I yeah. don't think it was a specific title. I think you were reviewing a, col- a collection of something, oh, and it okay. just took me a while to to figure out what that collection. But still, was. still, you know. So yeah, so all <laughs> just so, throw it on the grudge heap, Ben. <laughs> just throw it on so, the grudge heap. So yeah, that's that's my current pet peeve. All of the way, all how you cannot Google a title. Uh. Mm, good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without getting one trillion results of all the different series, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What do you? What else you got, friends? Um, so you had talked about bad formatting or uh, about uh, messed up spines and stuff. Inconsistent, Inconsistent spine spines. design. So my thing will be bad format retail decisions, and my example will be the Alan Moore Providence because Duh. they. Yes, you know exactly what ah, I say. I was just talking about this with yes. one of my customers. Yep. Continue. Uh, to, to those who don't know, it was a 12-issue series, and they decided we're going to release three hardcovers, uh, four issues each for $20 for those four issues. And they're like, oh, okay, that's a bit much, but it's a nice hardcover, fine. Um, and then like they let one of them go out of print, and then they said, final printing, only time ever for like the reprint. And you're like... Uh oh, you're not going to make a complete version, and they like have refused to make a complete version, yeah. and yeah. so now I can't reorder it in this like a weird format, and then the yep. out of print format, and then there have been other books that are like, why did you do that as a hardcover? It yep. didn't need to be a hardcover, or why don't you make that into a hardcover? Because that definitely should be a hardcover, and it's just like. Is this just because you're lazy or you let the intern do it? Or like, <laughs> who made decision? Yeah. Market research says people blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So that. Yep. And then also uh, when they decide to make merging covers or merging spine designs and they F it up. 
Um, I'm looking directly yes. at these Batman Knight's End that <laughs> Nicole's yes. pointing at, and they tried to make the Batman symbols line up, and they're all off kilter. Uh, oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> they completely mushed them up in the wrong ways. <laughs> and uh, also, like, this week, we got in some variant covers by Phil Noto that are supposed to match, and, like, the the there's different characters that are framed in circles, and, and like, the circles don't match. They're cut off in wrong, weird, wrong, wrong, weird ways. And it's just like, why? You were so close, and this is the way it's going to be forever. Your shame forever. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. so that'll just roll into one of mine, yeah. which is mid-series change the format of a thing. Mm. So one example would be Octopus Pie. It was a web comic. Um, they put out these landscape versions of the webcomic to print them out. And then the fourth volume was a standard trade size, which is a portrait version why <laughs> why didn't match. you just you know and and i get it if like okay this is new content it wasn't on the web or something like that so we're just going to do a standard format no 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 no. just follow your same format still print it like why now yeah. it's stupid on my shelf <laughs> i don't own it but it was just the yeah. example i right. thought of yeah, yeah, yeah. or like kill six billion demons yes. web comic again web comics y'all come on <laughs> i know you don't use paper but you know paper <laughs> The talk, trees. Talk to someone who know paper. Yeah. Think. Consult. Anyway, so they did. It's 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 a really cool comic. It's kind of dark, mm. and they printed it in a tiny digest form with poor quality, so everything was too mm. dark tone. So now, then they came out with a second volume, and they did a big like magazine size, and then they reprinted volume one to match that size. But why you no but do we it originally? the first one, so That's now that. I gotta return that or eat the don't, cost. I mean, or, once you, know. you do a print thing, don't you get like a proof of it and go like, yes, I signed off on this. This is what I want like 12 billion demons to look like to defend them though sometimes all their money went into that and they can't do it again mm. but don't you get a thing that before you get it printed to say like i approve of this format yeah, but that first format might have not looked so bad on the preview and then this when they finally went to mass production something wrong happened mm, very true and very that true. that that's gut-wrenching as someone who like works in production i don't work in production but i can only imagine like the person responsible for that just saw them flying off the printing press going yeah. oh no i mean that just happened to us with the spider-man foil covers idw probably had to gut their entire print run because when they finally kind of came out they're like oh man we messed up yeah so yeah oh Cole, you got any pet peeves? This is tough because I've got there. There, there are pet peeves. You guys are talking about legitimate pet peeves, and then there's just freaking gear grinding. <laughs> um, I'm I'm tired of Alan Moore is the gold standard to poach from. Mm. I'm done. I'm done. I, I was looking. I was looking at how um, you know. I, it's no secret that I appreciate the man's work, and it fascinated fascinated me at the time. Uh, that it was done, and I still have a great deal of affection for the stories that he told, but let's let it go. Let's stop going back to the well and, and revisiting that stuff, because you can't tell decent original stories, DC Comics, so you have to keep going back to the Watchmen well in one manner or another to make money, and it's really... And 
Yes. Stitch up a ragdoll of it in your DC universe. Now you have a DC Alan Moore ragdoll of what? Why? That, yeah, how what does that make sense? Other than to make money. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, the artwork for Doomsday Clock is lovely. I still can't tell you what's happening in that story. <laughs> I've gone back and reread some issues in, in, in succession, so I could, and I still don't see the point. And of course, the prequels. Don't get me started on the prequels. <laughs> um, I won't. But okay, good. <laughs> don't because it's just pandering. It's all just terrible, terrible pandering. So milking the dead horse is the problem milking a dead horse yes i stand by that not yet (laughs) milking a dead zebra um and you know there's a reason why the man has taken his name off so many uh uh so many of his efforts particularly the film adaptations everyone and there are a lot of film adaptations of his work and they're all bad except for i i like kind of like v for vendetta um wachowski's yeah yeah and he's kind of the anti-stan lee in that way Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I do. But what bothers me is that like he was a fresh, original thinker that um, it, it, there's a reason why he's a grumpy old man, and I've said that before on the show. It's like, well, if someone had you know poached your work to that extent, um, and it, what is, it's a sad reflection of how few original ideas are happening. And the last two, if you, if you, if you slog through my last two, rev, three, two reviews of the previous episodes, I got mad at about stuff because I don't feel that the writers are taking the opportunity to do research, to, to grasp history, history, to learn how to tell stories other than regurgitating much of what they've seen around them, what they've grown up with. Meanwhile, in the streaming wars, they're sucking up original <laughs> IP as we speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> streaming wars. Can you, can, you do the, can you do the Yoda streaming war thing again? <laughs> Coming the streaming wars are. <laughs> if I try to, it doesn't sound good. It was good. That was good. Stream war yeah. has. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Do, do we, uh, yeah, that was even better. Uh, any final pet peeves school. before we move on? <laughs> I just wrote down the ending entire universe is for corporate synergy. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they did it fine. They did it fine, but like, oh, don't be so blatant with your toys. Yeah. I mean they are, but don't. Mine is an industry-wide uh, plague, which is series Ooh. just ending abruptly, either being canceled because people are um, like can't do the work or like not being able to work within the structure. Like, hey, I'm gonna put out this comic. It's gonna be monthly. I'm gonna do two issues and then go play video games for ten years. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, no, you are a brand. You need to figure out what your work schedule is. If this structure doesn't work, make your own. Look at Saga. They're doing a good thing. Like, And they're even taking a break saying, hey, we're taking a hiatus. We need a break. We're not disappearing off the face of the planet. We'll be back. We'll keep you posted. They communicate. There's just, it's like, where do you go to figure out where a comic book is? I mean, there's so many people who fall in love with a comic, and then they never see a trace of it again. And you just have this lack of trust and this lack of integrity and mm-hmm. it's just very frustrating. Well, that's nothing new is the sad thing. It's yeah, it is. I've got but boxes it's... full of comics that had and I hold on to some of them because Cuz you think maybe 10 years, well, 15 also, years, 20 years. I kind of hold on to it as an artifact of of failed potential. Mm-hmm. And there's and I have I seriously have tons of books going back to the 80s that I can't part with that are worth nothing. The series was never completed, but I do have this weird affection in my heart for what I would consider like a lost or forgotten gem. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I don't hear what you're saying because I, I, I do, um, and it's infuriating. And what I wanted to ask you was, do you have an example of something recently that that happened with? Uh, I do. Did you have something to add before I answer that? You hit yours first. Okay. Um, 
so Araya or, or Aria or something like that. It was from a small press. I think is it Antarctic or is it the other one? I can't remember. But it was a it was an anthology of like indie women cartoonists who had these stories they wanted to tell. And there were four issues that came out. It took a while for those four issues to come out. And then I never saw a trace of it again. And and I and it could have it just been like oh it's just four issues and we're done. Except that there were stories in there that said to be continued which led me to believe it would be continued and i don't know there was no letters page there was no like hey we're we're gonna do the best we can but we may not stick to our skit there was nothing it's like where do i go i have to go to twitter for news maybe i hate that i hate that so much <laughs> so that would be my one example right now i mean there's there's also um uh anything warren ellis does you want to just wait for it to come out in a trade um that's and my rule and that and that hurts because he is a brand. People follow it. People like it. And it sucks to say like you're an artist or a writer and you and you are your own brand. But you really do have to have this business mindset of like you need to be consistent, to be credible, to gain trust in your fan base and to not uh, take that for granted because they will disappear. And now I'm going to get off my soapbox. Okay. I love it. No, that's, I'll that's add great. to that soapbox Please. really quick. There's so there's the people who just kind of disappear on their own, right? And you got to try to find the news. Yes. But there's some that feel like somebody showed up in an unmarked van, put a bag <laughs> over their head, took them around behind the barn, and shot them because nobody's talking about the fact that the Cyborg series was canceled at DC. Yeah. And like, there's two issues that were offered and they're dead. You look at Diamond and it just says canceled, hmm. and it's just kind of like, okay, this makes sense because nobody cared but also like nobody's talking about it so right. just it just feels like some unmarked vans went by and drove them off to the distance or it could like, be that the sales were yeah. the sales were so low that cyborg was kind of like a fairy tale if you don't tell it they just cease to exist <laughs> yeah. and don't maybe believe. that's what happened yeah yeah but yeah, there's those weird things where we look in the Diamond web website and we go, it's canceled. But does that mean that it's canceled or is it delayed or is it just totally gone or did they burn it in a dumpster somewhere? Yeah. Like what happened? Yeah. Over at the DC office, we don't talk about Cyborg. <laughs> so, yeah. The rule of Cyborg. <laughs> yes. Anyway. All right. So cool. We'll revisit this, of course, because we have plenty to talk about. I clearly am passionate about this pet peeve thing. <laughs> let's move on to book report, everybody. And Cole Hornaday, let's start with you. What do you well, want to tell us I about? I could just say, here's the latest volume of Saga. <laughs> it's volume nine. Um, it is uh, it is what I think is pretty darn close to a perfect comic book. I love it. I love the characters. It makes me happy. Even when sad things happen, I'm still happy. Why? Because I really love these characters. I don't know if there's anything more I need to say because I'm always plugging this with great <laughs> joy and and relish whenever I read a new saga volume. This one, um, uh, our, our our family of renegades and their found family. That's another thing I love about this book is all these misfits in that have that have come and they're on this flying in this organic tree spaceship, fleeing the the evils of the war behind them, and they just keep gathering up family as they go. And that's one of the marvelous things about this book. Also, uh, Vaughn's characterizations are so crisp. I sometimes have an opportunity, because I get all these from the library. I don't own any, own any of them. Uh, Vaughn, uh, 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 I sometimes will read the previous volume in anticipation of the new one, because when they hit the library, the library gets like 20 copies, and it takes like four <laughs> months for me yeah. to get down right. the list, which I totally, you know, I'm not grumpy about that. It's just the way it is. But um, I... 
I need very little assistance in being reminded who these people are. I open one page, I read a couple panels of dialogue, I'm like, oh, that's who that person is, that's where they come from, that's what they're made of, that's their fiber, that's their strength, that's their weakness, and he conveys all of that in a matter of pages or panels. That's that, really great, because that's a problem I have all the time. It's skillful, skillful storytelling, yeah, yeah, yeah. and... and um, uh, there's some sadness in this story, and there's a great joy and triumph, too, and it ends on a really, really uh, nasty cliffhanger. But the thing about the found families in this is um, just the very natural flow of, of gay and transgender characters and the, and the blurring of boundaries and sexuality and, um, and, uh, uh, and that sort of thing is... This comic book feels like I come home whenever I read it. <laughs> oh, and that's why I love it. And um, if you haven't started reading, I'm going to get choked up now. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't started reading Saga, you need to read it. Um, so, is there going to be another volume, Chris, before they go on hiatus? I this think that's nine, the last one. Before they go on hiatus, there. But there are they're issues. on hiatus now. Yeah, they're yeah. on hiatus yeah. now. You okay, got two so that years. Was, so that's a that's a. Oh, we geez. ended yeah, on a nasty do. cliffhanger. I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> well, that's what everyone has yeah. said. So yeah, yeah, it's all the more reason for me to get steamy. Okay, all right. let's move on. Don't cool talk to me Saga anymore. Volume Nine. Yeah, Thank right. you, Cole. Nicole, what do you got for us? Um, so I'm I'm going into I guess what's described as the Sunstone verse again with um, Linda Sajic's um, Bloodstain, which was a web comic. Um, there's three volumes that are in actual print. Um, and if you don't know what Sunstone is, it's a BDSM rom-com. I love it. I pretty much review anything in the Sunstone verse, even if it doesn't technically fit there or weird things happen. You can look at my previous reviews of Swing and Sugar. Sugar is the weirdest one. Um, but anyway, I'm pretty much all in. Linda is the wife of Stepan. Um, and I'm probably saying that wrong. I One day I'll memorize it. Um, but um, this one is, is Slice of Life mixed with Mad Science. And it focuses on a, a woman, Elliot Torres. She's in her uh, mid-20s and she's uh, had troubles with jobs. She's out of college. She had a chemistry degree, but she never found a job there. Um, and so you just get all these montages of her being like a waitress or being like a... A dog washer or something. I don't know. I'm making stuff up now because I can't remember. But um, <laughs> I do that all the time. It's great. Um, and and she lives with her sister, and her sister is is the one that's like together. She's got the husband and the kid, and she's like, "Why don't you do something with your life? You blah blah blah." Anyway, so most of the story, most of the first volume, anyway, is uh, is a lot of setup about Elliot and her life and getting a feel for where she is and how she's she's kind of run adrift in her life. She comes across this uh, this advertisement about this uh, scientist who is looking for an assistant, and it's like, well, that sounds really good. And and in the area that she's looking at this advertisement, someone's like, oh, don't don't do that. That guy's really weird. He's a creep. Like, don't. That's a bad idea. And then she's just like, what? Um, okay. And she goes and she gets another job that she's terrible at, but it stays with long enough that she actually gets a little bit better. And she's like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll just do do this. And they uh, they let her go at a certain point. She's super bummed, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to try this creepy job. And she calls the guy and the guy's like, yes. And you know, here's all this information. Da, 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 da. And she has this like really weird interaction with him. She's just like, uh, I don't know if I want to do it, but one night she just gets a wild hair and she, she goes and he's like, great. I bought you a plane ticket. You have to be there in three hours. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? 
And he's like, yep, otherwise don't talk to me ever again. I'm going to like never talk to anybody in your area or something. And like he's he works so hard that he's he's sleep deprived. And so he does weird, wacky things. And he's like falling asleep in the middle of conversations and stuff like that. So he didn't even know that he told her that. And this guy comes and picks her up and brings her to this area. And it's it gets to the point where you're like, is this girl actually in danger? I mean, I don't really think so, but you definitely get the feeling like this guy's very weird and this girl's feeling like really scared about this thing that she's going to do. But it just turns out that he's actually just quirky and it and and that she's really going to be like qualified for this this job and it's this kind of odd couple sort of feeling um i haven't finished the series so maybe i'll review it once i've finished all the way through like volume three but it's definitely um it's definitely fun if you like any of the sunstone verse stuff and i definitely recommend it linda's art is very similar to her husband's and and so it's not very drastically different. It fits right in. And the way that this is connected, as always, is through an MMORPG. The Mad Science guy is actually one of the guys who plays. And I think she does, too. Um, so that's how everyone's connected. Different characters play in this, like, World of Warcraft game. And that's how they all know each other. So it's kind of a weird thing. But I told you most of the first volume. I didn't mean to do that. But it <laughs> happens. So, so Bloodstain. By, by Linda Sejic. Right. I think you cool. have to sound like Sean Connery when you do it. <laughs> right on. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you, Nicole. And finally, Chris Cassell, what do you got? So I read the first two issues of a new series from the publisher Vault. It's called The Savage Shores. It is written by Ram V, drawn by Sumit Kumar, colored by Vittorio Astone, and lettered by Aditya Bidikar. And some other people. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, kind of take place during the uh, Victorian era. And uh, there's a vampire and uh, he gets caught by a vampire hunter who knows his stuff and sets the vampire on fire. And the vampire goes to his, what do you call family vampires? It's not a coven. We tried to figure this out. Is, is it Coven? Is it a thing? Yeah, okay. We'll coven? call it Coven. Okay. And uh, they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, you screwed that one up, and we don't, you know, we got to keep ourselves quiet, so we're going to send you out of our hair, and you got to keep it down. So they send him to India. And the thing is, everybody kind of sort of knows what he is. Um, it's not, like, the biggest secret, and he can be in the sunlight. It's just he does not, doesn't really like it. <laughs> and uh, so he, he basically goes... Uh, He's hosted by kind of a deposed young prince. Uh, there's, there's, you know, a lot of politics happening where he's going, and um, he's, uh, he's, you know, met by them, and they're basically just like, hey, you know, we know what you are. That's uh, cool. Just keep it down. You know, uh, don't go out too late at night. And he's, he's about to go out at night, and he's just like, I, I could take care of myself. And they're like, no, no, that was a warning for you. Um, definitely don't go too far mm. and so it's kind of basically about western monsters coming across eastern monsters and there are much more dangerous things than vampires in the woods um it's beautifully drawn i really love uh the, the layouts the storytelling the facial expressions everything um and it's an interesting mix because it's it's basically about the colonialism uh expanding in for the spice routes um, um, and just the the different culture clashes. Um, so it's it 
knocked it right out of the park for me with the first two issues. Um, they're just normal cover price, three ninety nine comics. They're at their third or fourth printings now. Um, so I just reordered a whole bunch more. Um, and so I highly recommend it if you just want a, a different kind of take on horror and vampires and that kind of story. Cool. So, yeah. so I did look it up. There's five different uh, ways to call a group of vampires. You can call them a clutch, <laughs> a brood, a coven, a pack, or a clan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of like brood. That's good. I like clutch. <laughs> Had no idea. Mm-hmm. All right. These Savage Shores. Thank you, Chris. Well, that is Book Report. That is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday oh. and I do at thepaddlejumper.com, as well as Comics Dungeon here, 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you get your podcasts at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. By now, friends, get your quiz hats on. It's quiz time this week. The questions come to us from Mr. Cole Hornaday. Lay it well, on hey, us, Cole. Um, as you may have gathered over 200 plus episodes that I do have a tremendous fondness for uh, strange phenomena, cryptozoology, and anything um, Fortian, uh, mm-hmm. a la Charles Fort. Um, uh, uh, about two years ago, my dear friend Ashlyn Pym uh, recommended this book to me, which she had not read, but she sat, apparently sat through a seven-hour lecture by the <laughs> author. Oh, I'm not joking. It, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the author is Jeffrey uh, Kripal, or Kripal, K-R-I-P-A-L. It's called Mutants and Mystics, and it is a lengthy discussion of the interconnectivity between the supernatural, su- science fiction, superheroes, and the paranormal. And he discusses it in stages. Um, <laughs> Is this foretelling that the quiz time is going to be six hours long? <laughs> no, I just wanted to give you a little, you know, run up to it. So. I just like being a jerk to you, Cole. <laughs> you succeeded, my love. You succeeded. Aww. So anyway, in honor of finally finishing this book, which is a, like a, almost a year-long uh, uh, excursion because it was a dense, dense read, and I'm not going to even try to review it for you because <laughs> it will become as tragic as my review of Ramsey Fawaz's New Mutants from a year ago. <laughs> anyway, so yes, here is a quiz time inspired by uh, Mr. Kripal's book. I'm calling it Supernatural Scriveners. Scriveners. Mm. Uh, I'm going to offer up a known writer of strange phenomena and ask you to please choose from the proper list the creature, event, or phenomena. That's a word. <laughs> with which this offer is most often associated. Are you ready? Ready. Are you ready? Okay, first up, Whitley Stryber or Whitley Strieber, is associated with A, Reigns of Frogs, Poltergeist Activity, Alien Abduction, or the Orang Pendek. (laughs) Pendek. The last one. Seriously, Whitley Strieber? I'm just going to say Alien Abduction. Alien Abduction Yay! is correct. <laughs> alien Abduction was later uh, Alien Abduction which in his, uh, which later morphed into a discussion in his books of something far more metaphysical. Um, uh, thus far Streber has penned over half a dozen books on the subject starting with Communion in 1987, uh, which is also a film starring um, Christopher Walken. Yes, it was. Next up, oh, yeah. Next up is John Keel. John Keel was associated with the Loch Ness monster, airship mysteries, the Mothman, or the Jersey Devil. Ooh, I like me some Jersey Devil. I'm gonna go. So, I'm gonna go with Mothman. 
You are absolutely right, Ben Lawrence. The Mothman. Originally published in The Mothman Prophecies in 1975, a film version was released in 2002 starring Richard Gere and Laura Linney. The film had very, 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 very little to do with the book. Uh, As they all did. uh, Mr. Keel, along with Charles Fort, believed our planet was little more than an amusement park for beings of of a higher order, and we are all merely their playthings. Next is Grover Krantz. Was Grover Krantz associated with Champ, the Lake Champlain monster, Bigfoot, Wild Talents, or El Chupacabra? Grover Krantz. Grover Krantz. Chupacabra. Anybody? I'm sorry, Chris. No. <laughs> I was going to say that, so I, but I forgot what the, all the Bigfoot. other ones are. Bigfoot. Dr. Grover Krantz was a recognized anthropology professor at Western Washington University from 1968 to his until his retirement in 1998. He published numerous works on the existence of Bigfoot, starting with The Scientist Looks at the Sasquatch, first published in 1977. Someone named their child Grover? Someone named their child Grover. <laughs> <laughs> Is Bigfoot near or far? <laughs> Perfect. Next up. <laughs> I, I think we got to wrap up. I can't stop that. <laughs> I just keep going. We'll find ways. Next is Bernard Hubelmans. <laughs> Bernard Hubelmans, was he associated with lake monsters, sea serpents, the Minnesota Iceman, or all of the above? Minnesota. Gotta go with all the above. All of the above. Bernard Hubelmans was a Belgian-French scientist, researcher, and adventurer who many considered to be the grandfather of cryptozoology. In his lifetime, he penned numerous books, including On the Track of Unknown Animals in 55, In the Wake of Sea Serpents in 68, and most recently, the first English translation of Neanderthal, The Strange Saga of the Minnesota Iceman in 2016. William needs to have that book. Didn't I recommend that book to you guys? No. Okay. All right. I haven't read it yet. I've thumbed through it. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, it's all about through. Bigfoot in the freezer. There was a Bigfoot and a guy had in a freezer that he showed it. Yeah, and, I know about yeah, that. Guy. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And, and, and actually, supposedly, uh, Hooverman's got to examine it. Yeah. <laughs> and But we didn't get that that uh, discussion translated in English in the States until very recently. Don't let this guy cook you dinner if he's keeping big feet in his freezer. You're kidding me. <laughs> uh, last up, Roy P. Mackle. Roy P. Mackle associated with the Shaver Mystery, the Owl Man, McKellian Bemby, the Last Living Dinosaur, or Globsters. McKellian Bemby. McKellian Bemby, uh, the Last Living Dinosaur, believed to reside in Lactelle in the in the Congo. Dr. Roy P. Mackle was a biochemist and considered one of the most one of the seminal figures in the field of cryptozoology. Zoology. He wrote several books, including The Locters of <laughs> the Monsters of Loch Ness in 1976 and A Living Dinosaur in Search of the McKellian Bemby in 1987. I corresponded wow. with Dr. Mackle yep. for years. Yeah, really? we talked about that on the podcast. Yes. Have I talked about that <laughs> yep. before? Yeah. Yep. I wrote Me. a play about looking for the dinosaur in the Congo. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he w- would call me and, and correct me on whatever uh, <laughs> elements I'd included in the story. All right. Well, cool. Thank you, Cole. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. 